Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He lays Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Well, we are back again, week number two of season two of The Mandalorian. This was chapter 10, titled The Passenger. But we have an announcement first, or not really an announcement, as much as something to talk about that is I'm even more excited for than The Mandalorian, uh, which is maybe, maybe a bold claim. But Tom, you want to tell us all about it? Yeah, hey folks, don't forget, coming to Disney Plus on November 17th will be the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. If you if you can go to YouTube, you can click the brand new trailer that came out, which is actually pretty funny. It definitely looks like it's got the Lego humor. I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm excited. Yeah. Lego Star Wars the Holiday Special. Come on, what's what's not to love? Of course. Uh, it'll be I'm excited. It's coming I mean, it's very, the, very every, soon. Every holiday special Star Wars has ever done has been a, a raging success, right? Like, th- these are big shoes to fill. I think this one's probably going to outshine the first one. But it's great that they're talking about Life Day. Yes. So yes. that's the one thing I like about it. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Life Day, uh, it's probably worth getting into the uh, our review of The Mandalorian. Uh, Tom, you want to tell us what we're going to be talking about? I don't think about? that made any sense, William. No, it <laughs> actually, to it. a certain extent, kind of does. It kind of does. Uh, okay, never mind. Because of the precious cargo. You got to understand yeah. it's because of the precious cargo, because <laughs> that is part of what Chapter 10 of The Mandalorian Called the Passenger is about. This is directed by Peyton Reed, written by John Favreau. And for this episode, the Mandalorian must ferry a passenger with a precious cargo on a risky journey. So you kind of did tie it in because the precious cargo happens to be, you know, the 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 offspring of this passenger. Put it that way. Yeah, and this episode really picks up right at literally right at the end of the uh, chapter nine, I suppose, at the marshal. Uh, you know, the episode ended with the Mandalorian. He's killed the crate dragon, and then he is on his way on his speeder back to town. You know, back to the Razor Crest, and so he can continue his search. And the episode literally picks up with him on his speeder on his way back. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, I really appreciated the detail there. Like you can still see the crate dragon's acid and uh, like spittle all over him. It's the exact same speeder we saw in the previous episode. I just, I really appreciate that level of continuity. It makes it, I think, feel a lot more natural and kind of helps it hold together. Mm-hmm. It was also cool to see the uh, Boba Fett armor that was on there. Cause that was actually a new, Naturally, it's a tie-in because he's taking the Mandalorian armor with him because it's supposed to go back to the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. What I found interesting was the bounty hunters are still after him to try and capture, the, you know, to capture him and get the um, the child back. I would think that after all that kerfuffle from last season, that it was basically all well said and done, and maybe they're off to the side when it comes to bounty hunters. Yeah, it's interesting. Like at, at first, I thought so. Uh, we see the Mandalorian speeding kind of through the Tatooine desert and we start to see shots of a figure. Oh, don't know who it is yet. Um, what laying kind of, what looks like a trap in the sand, uh, effectively in the middle of the desert. Although we should talk about that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought at first this might be, obviously we got the tease of Boba Fett at the end of the previous episode. Uh, I thought the Boba same Fett. thing. 
Yeah, I thought the same thing too. Same, same. I was sure, like, okay, here we go. They're gonna, it's gonna go straight into Boba Fett. Here we mm -hmm. go, and nothing, <laughs> which I think was the yeah. most surprising thing in, in some ways, and yet other ways, it it didn't surprise me at all. Right? Like, it's it's kind of typical for, uh, I would say for this series and a lot of Star Wars series and in just television in general to like make this big tease and then, you know, have you wait a while. There's only eight episodes. We're actually 25% done with the series with the season already. So, That's true. Um, you know, it, like we're not going to have to wait that long, but it was a little weird that we see Tamara Morrison at the end of the last, uh, last episode. It's like, okay, it's gotta be Boba Fett. And then nothing. And there were multiple time points in this, in this episode where I thought he was going to step around the corner mm -hmm. uh, and never did. Never did. And, you know, part of that, so in some ways I was kind of on the edge of my seat the whole time just expecting something that never came. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes... I'm really... Like, we talked about this in the previous episode of how we... How might Boba Fett kind of re-enter the picture? Is he chasing after his armor? What is he even doing on Tatooine? Uh, I'm starting to wonder how... Exactly how that's going to work, given that, you know... I'm gonna, jumping ahead slightly but the mandalorian leaves Tatooine, and i i don't really expect him to come back at this point yeah so i wonder cool when to see it well yeah. go ahead I, was, I it just makes me wonder when we'll see boba fett kind of rear show his head again show his face that's a weird way to say it but show his face again i think what would be interesting is if we ever see him again we get to see him back in slave one you know so i just had a thought that would just be such a uh such a tease to like what if we what if he's just not in the rest of the season at all like that's all you get <laughs> boba fett's probably Saving alive third season <laughs> you now know what happened to boba fett you know maybe they bring him back in season three i i don't i doubt that but you know they've, they've only got six episodes left and there's still a whole lot a whole lot of ground to cover um mm -hmm. there was and we, we've got moff gideon and the dark saber uh, we have obviously finding the Jedi. There's like rumors of Ahsoka and Bo-Katan. Uh, mm -hmm. There is, um, you know, obviously picking up on the, the Boba Fett plot line. There's a lot to cover in just six episodes left. And I don't know. I, this, this episode in some ways felt like, uh, felt like one of the one-offs uh, from mm -hmm. last season, except, uh, except that, it was it made more sense like why he was forced to do what he was doing right he's he's really trying to find the mandalorians and on the way he gets sidetracked but he's still trying he's still you know in search of that goal he's going after right. the the mandalorians and so from that standpoint like i think a lot of the motivations make a lot of sense and i actually really liked how his past now starts to come back to haunt him the things he did in season 1 are now catching up with him in this episode mm -hmm. so, and it's that's really cool i just hope what what makes you say that though like well so the, 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 i'll say yeah the the uh, bounty hunters or the mm -hmm. whoever these the gangsters or scrappers whatever they are like i didn't they felt very random to me like it felt more kind of like a, a lawless tattoo piece because i just i never got any context to understand why why are they here yeah you know, that is a good point and specifically i, have, I mean i may have misunderstood that and specifically, I mean the like the X wings, right? And the fact that okay. you know he break he broke he broke someone out of prison. He broke a high value target out of prison, uh, and you know of course we we saw these X wings fly by the Razor Crest, uh, and, and you know at the end of uh, the prisoner, 
And so it makes sense that, you know, they would eventually be like, hey, we we saw you not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of time to, uh, you're going to have to come with us for, for questioning. So from, from that standpoint, like his past is coming up, coming back to haunt him. I gotcha. Uh, right. And then, know. and then I may have misunderstood or mistook the whole thing about these guys that were basically clotheslined him to get him off of his speeder that they could have been bounty hunters going after, you know, the child, which now that you bring it up, it does now feel just a little bit more random that they had an opportunity to basically get something from the Mandalorian. Yeah. So I, I couldn't figure out if they were hunters trying to capture the child back, kind of continuing that thread from the previous season. Right. Um, I, I think where I finally landed and first of all, I, I wish they'd shot it a little bit differently at the beginning. It kind of feels I want like I want you to picture a massive desert and these mm-hmm. like scrappers set up a trap between two rocks that is like, I don't know, ten feet apart maybe right. in the entire desert. And the Mandalorian happens to ride through it. I like as you after the kind of secret scene is over, you see I feel like a different shot where it feels like, oh, he's he's closer to town, so I can start to believe like ah, oh, this may be just like mm. a common like funnel point as you leave the you know, the massive dune sea and you funnel into Moss Eisley. Right. Uh, but if it felt pretty funny to me, honestly. No, and and I, I see your point on that because it does feel like he had all this desert and it just so happened to pick this one spot to go between these two rocks. If it was kind of like you could see him like going through a canyon, it made a natural choke point, but it did feel like that he could have gone maybe around or he was just so focused that this was the straight line to get there, regardless if he could go around or not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to, to your point uh, earlier, yeah, I, I actually I totally, I didn't really think about it that way, but that is a good point. It's kind of random that he just went to those, those two rock outcroppings. Um, but you know, it, it I got the sense that they were definitely just random hunters on Tatooine, mm-hmm. especially because, you know, the one of them, uh, the the one that looks like looks like a, a like a more advanced Jawa in, in many ways, who actually that was actually a cool design. Yeah, and actually, I, you know, yeah. it was driving me crazy. I was like, I feel like I've seen this character before, and then I saw, of course, you know, it's it's Scrapjaw Motito from Jakku. Mm-hmm. He's the one who like interrupts Ray as she's you know, polishing stuff at the beginning of the movie. So it's very mm. same, same type of alien, which is kind of cool to see. Um, but you know, he, the, the, this, this, I'm going to call him a Jawa, probably not a Jawa. Who knows? It sounds like a Jawa. It's close enough because sound, that, talk, that's the easiest way to His language sounded a lot like Jawa. Um, you know, it has like a knife at the child's head. And then when Mando offers him, you know, anything he wants, like a jetpack, he's like, Oh, okay. And just puts down the child. So I don't think he was going after the child. Mm-hmm. Um, at all, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was a nice action, I guess, to kick it off. I I still get the sense though it was this whole scene was really just intended to um, uh, probably two things. One, like they're still in danger, but really more more than that, just to 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 make you wonder is this is this Boba Fett? Because you know you don't mm-hmm. see who it is at first. You just see their them prepping the trap and all that stuff. And then of course you mm-hmm. know. Uh, eventually they reveal themselves and just kind of random, uh, random nobodies. Right. Yeah. It was what I found very funny is when the Jawa finally got the uh, jetpack. <laughs> as he's running away, you you had a feeling the Mandalorian was not going to let him get away with it. So he sits there and triggers the jetpack to take off on its own with the Jawa in tow, and then just to see the Jawa fall and just splat on the ground. 
It was a gruesome but amazing scene, is how I would describe that. (laughs) And the Jawas running away, like, I got a jetpack, I got a jetpack. And boy, did he pay for it. Flying. Oh my gosh, it's hilarious. And then, you know, kind of lands on the ground and like tips over and falls. Mm -hmm. It's a little comedic moment. I thought Peyton Reed did a, a pretty good job of 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 kind of balancing the the seriousness in some cases horror of this episode with yeah. uh with the very lighthearted comedic moments as well very similar to you know his his ant-man movies uh which um you know uh, <laughs> i'm sure the the character we see in uh, in the cantina a few minutes later uh, mm. The giant ant named Doctor Mandible. Also, let's just talk about that name. I uh, <laughs> so, okay. I'm putting a bunch of things together. First, I when even when we were talking about Peyton Reed, I did not put it together as oh the director of Ant Man. Yeah, I didn't put uh, it together either. Second, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> he just put a giant ant I, in his <laughs> in his in his episode. That's fantastic. In a weird like cross-connected way i am ecstatic with that uh and and you know we saw this this giant ant dr mandible in uh chapter five as well last season so he's not you know uh, he, he was in the cantina before uh and i feel like maybe i'm crazy i feel like we've seen we saw a, a an ant-like creature in like a new hope in the cantina didn't we oh i'd have Feels to go look familiar I'd have to go look. But anyway, it, it feels like, um, I don't know. In some ways, sometimes I get a little, like, I don't like it when Star Wars goes too much into the aliens who look like real-life creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and I thought they kind of went a little too far with, with Dr. Mandible, also the name Dr. Mandible. <laughs> what? Uh, is his name actually Dr. His Mandible? His name is actually is... Dr. Mandible. I just read that as that's what how he called him but that's... no 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 his his wikipedia entry is wikipedia entry <laughs> is dr mandible it says it in the uh uh in all of the uh subtitles and everything it's yeah that's fantastic <laughs> that's too it, funny i i'm you know what i'm okay with it uh and here's the thing and i i say this as a true star wars fan that's a weird thing to say but like I'm totally fine with it so long as we don't do the Star Wars thing where we now spend the next like 10 years getting references to and backstory on Dr. Mandible and you find out, oh, he was actually on the second Death Star crawling through. Like, as long as we skip those things, we accept it as a one time joke and move on. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, Knowing Star Wars, that's not super likely, but that's okay. (laughs) We'll get the Dr. Mandible. So I'm looking forward to the Dr. Mandible spinoff. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just now imagining a Doc Disney Plus series called Doctor Mandible. Um, just yeah, no. Um, so you know, but he he we actually see him playing Sabak, which is really cool, especially now that you know you can go to Galaxy's Edge and get the pack of Sabak cards and everything. Uh, it was cool to see him playing Sabak and Pelly mentioning Idiot's Array, and we also got a lot more Pelly Moto who I think is the surprise recurring character of this season so far. Like, no... Yeah, not... No grief Not Karga, the character I would have picked. Yeah. I think. But, yeah, she's there. I I thought it was okay. Yeah. I, uh... I don't know. I, I think we talked about this last week. I thought 
I think Pelly is is a okay side character, not one of the best, not one of the worst. Um, but I, I'm kind of done with her at this point. Like, okay, we can move on, see some other characters. Yeah. Although to your point, I don't think he's coming back to Tatooine. So, at this point, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, but, but you have to say one thing about it: having her there did throw out another good Galaxy's Edge little ink, little um, Easter egg. With the Rancho Roaster, because I did like when she sat there and said, hey, do you happen to have any crit- uh, any of that crite meat? And then, look, as a, as that one droid is roasting it, they were using a pod racer engine. She yeah, I did appreciate the meat. Like, it's a, it's a little bit on the obvious side as well, but I like seeing that the engine is being used once again to kind of cook yeah. the meats, as it were. Um, definitely a good detail. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah, but, you know, ultimately... Pelly is there to really connect the Mandalorian with Dr. Mandible and kind of serve as an intermediary with the information he has. And it turns out um, Dr. Mandible knows of this, uh, uh, this, this informant who uh, happens to, to have the location of some Mandalorians and, and, you know, she offers this information to, uh, to Din Djarin as long as he transports the informant uh, to the the same moon he's trying to go to the the estuary moon of Trask. Um, what did you guys think of uh, uh Frog Lady? The she doesn't have a name, uh, but uh, Frog Lady, I guess, is is what we're going with. Uh, thoughts uh, thoughts on this this new character? I, I think the mm-hmm. best thing for me was set up the um, egg gag that kept recurring every once in a while within the show. I don't know how I um, felt about that egg gag, honestly. That was, it was one of those things, like, it was funny the first time, maybe, but it also gets a little bit more horrifying as it goes on, and you're like, is, didn't, but I, but I didn't think that's she the say point. this is, like, the last of her race? Like, Yeah, and Baby Yoda is, like, eating all the of them. Point. <laughs> because I, I get it, Tom, but, like, is, is genocide of an entire race funny? Tell me, Tom. No, it's not funny, but, but I think, the, <laughs> I think what makes it more horrifying is, Later, when she's in that, let's say, you know, bath, and she's got them all floating around, didn't she take count of how many that were lost at that time? <laughs> didn't she notice in general, like, wow, this, this, still, this little jar seems to be, like, getting more and more empty all the time? Because, like, the Thank child you. probably ate, wonder. what, five or six that we, like, because we saw him eat at least three or four. And, and especially one of them that he pulls out of nowhere. You didn't expect at the him end. To have this oh, one. I love that. Out of nowhere I love that. That little grin, you know, she's like, the frog lady sitting there holding on to her, her, her eggs and the, uh, uh, and the child is sitting in Mandalorian's lap and at the very end just pops another one in his mouth. You're both monsters. Uh, I hope you know it's, that. It's, okay. But look, oh, it's simultaneously okay. like gross, horrifying and hilarious <laughs> at the same time. I yeah. mean, you, you, you got to admit that. Okay. Do I have to admit it, Tom? Not really. But, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it's just, it's one of those, if you want to say, now, I don't get mad at me. I did not see Ant-Man, but if it's the, if it's the comedic take from that director, then this is fitting his style. Mm, yeah. Okay. I, that I do agree with. It's it definitely yeah. fit into that style. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, if that's what he was told to do to direct the episode, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He put him at the perfect 
moment to make him funny. And at the same time, I think the spider things that we're going to talk about later were a little bit more horrifying, especially when he decided to eat the, yeah. uh, the child decided to eat one. Um, that to me was a little more horrifying. Yeah. Um, and, and, and honestly, like, I think you kind of needed it in this episode because it was, it was yeah, much, did. it was a much darker episode. And, uh, and you know, the last 10 minutes or so are actually legitimately pretty scary in, in some ways. No. Uh, so, uh, so I don't know. I, I think you kind of needed that, those moments of, of levity, but man, the child is, he'll eat anything hungry. he sees. And he, Oh, that is true. Yeah. He's hungry. So I, say, I have to like this is a little bit of a spoiler towards the end. I was not the biggest fan, I think, of the first twenty minutes or so. Like everything kind of taking place through Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, almost until the like the X Wing scene, which we'll talk about in a moment, was I thought yeah. was fantastic. Of course, of course. Um, yeah, it's just it felt like a lot of nothing for a lot of this episode. Um, and William, you kind of mentioned that like. This is very. This is very much going to be the pattern of the series. I think of like the Mandalorians trying to get to some kind of uber task and get sidetracked along the way. Um, but I think the thing that kind of I wasn't like the first episode that felt very natural to me. Mm-hmm. Second episode, this one felt a little bit more forced or a little bit less interesting. And, and I don't know if yeah. that was my. I'm interested in Boba Fett and things like that, or you know, I don't know, whatever else it might be. But I, I think, I think there was the a difference I... for me. And, and I, I agree with you in the respect of, I think it's one of those we've always talked about when it came to Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars Clone Wars. There's always that one episode that, let's say, it's the breather episode that lets you catch your breath. Or it's just like it's there to kind of fill something in. There's still the thread that gets you from point A to point B. And this kind of felt the same way. Mm-hmm. It got, I will say, it got very interesting when the Republic X-Wings did show up right next to the Razor Crest. And they started the full-on interrogation. It's like, you know, you don't have a transponder, transponder code on. And then you hear that that little thing going back and forth. Well, he said, well, you know, Mandalorian's like, uh, yeah, I kind of forgot to turn it on. Oh, uh, it kind of doesn't work. You know? And then another thing comes up, and he's like, yeah, I'll get that fixed. You know, it was that bouncing back and forth that that at that point to me it kind of like started moving it into a little bit more engaging episode to watch i i, I don't disagree i think you know uh it's not a bad episode it's it's not up there in my favorites you know just in terms mm-hmm. of like personal in- enjoyment i think it's good it's you know it's good character development where you see the mandalorian kind of having to encountering this other this other creature frog lady who is um you know, kind of taking care of the child. I can't believe they didn't give her a name, by the way. I, I'm still like, okay, I, I get it. You know, A New Hope didn't name every single character either. I think they're trying to go that route. Um, I'm sure something but, will come up later. But like, I, I'm sure there'll be a name like later at some point. Need at least in the credits or something yeah. like a name to call her. Like Frog Lady is like the worst possible. I get it. There's like, there was, you know. Uh, uh, there is similarly named aliens in the cantina, uh, you know, in a new hope unofficially, like the nicknames mm-hmm. they, they gave, uh, everyone, but I don't know. I, Hey, when, when you're talking about nicknames, you have to admit seeing Trapper Wolf come back on screen again, has got to be one of the coolest nicknames out there 
you know, and then you know Captain Carson Carson Tiva. I mean, this this entire sequence was fantastic. Everything, just like the concept. And I, again, I'm gonna here. I will wave the like why were X wings patrolling at sublight speed in this particular area, but. I just I like the idea of what is effectively like a Star Wars traffic stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, that's yeah. a good one. Good one. Yes. Like, yep, uh, we got to run your license. And he's like, oh, I, okay. I'm sorry. Before we even get to that point, it's still like I just really appreciated the like, oh, your transponder's not on. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't I don't have to have one. It's not the law. I, it is the law now. Oh, well, let me try and turn it on. And then there's just a shot of the Mandalorian st- sitting there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not working. And they're like, oh, well, then we'll have to bring you in. Oh, hey, it's working. <laughs> but just that, Do you think they then, believed him? Do they think they bought it? Well, no, of course not. No. That's why, like, they they are, I mean, Star Wars police. They waited and continued to pressure. And, you know, okay, we'll, we'll do this however we need to do it. And then the moment, just like, yeah, switch to channel two. And then the shot through the oh. window is the s foils lock. And just like, well, it's going down now. That yeah. may be one of the best moments too. They're like, "Hey, can you can you switch channel too? And then you just see the S foils open one at a time. And you're like, "Oh, it's it's happening. It's it's, it's time." It's, <laughs> at that point, you know, you just you're like, "Oh no, 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 no." <laughs> yeah, but you have you have to admit that whole flight sequence of the chase was great, especially when when I think one of them sat there and said, "I'm surprised that they could make it through this atmosphere or whatever." And the Mandalorian puts it literally into a tail drop. And you just see it go tail first and just, oh, God, just the flight sequence was outstanding, which it appears that this planet, people were thinking it was the same planet that was um, the the massive planet killer that was created for Starkiller. Yeah, Starkiller Base. Ilum, it appears yeah. that's not the case because there so far is no name for that planet. And it appears to probably not be Ilum as well. I mean, those are the same planet. but well, the same planet, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah but... Yeah, uh, we yeah. Well, 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 I think we've pretty much seen everything in the trailer at this point, and we were completely wrong. This is not Ellen. We are not going to see Ahsoka here. But like, I, I want to talk more about that 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 flight sequence though, because it was just it was really cool. I, I think that's one of the best. Uh, just like the the visual of them flying through the clouds, and then you know skidding to a stop mm-hmm. on top of the ice, and then falling down through the ice, like every or just even the way like he was like he's kind of skidding backwards, and he like fires his engine, so he kind of slides into the mm-hmm. alcove beautifully beautifully shot beautifully done i loved it they never fired on him did did they i don't remember them actually doing mm-hmm. that i don't think so yeah i didn't think so either yeah also like kind of burying the lead uh, uh trapper wolf is of course dave filoni yeah. uh, uh accompanied by um uh captain carson tiva played by uh paul sun hyung um but you know i, I was i was surprised because like in, in season one dave filoni said that uh, he really did not want to be in the show, and John Favreau basically pressured him into doing it. Uh, and and so, I guess, I guess John Favreau must have pressured him into, to, to returning or something. I don't, I don't know. He not only pressured him, but he gave him a little bit more lines than the first season. Oh, he had a and in fact fairly not so much heart. a first line. He, yeah, I mean, toward the end, he he gets to hold a blaster rifle. We'll discuss that when it gets to the end. I, I was I did appreciate that um, Carson does most of the speaking. Like it was it was awesome to have Dave Filoni be part of it. I also yeah. appreciate that he was yeah. not the he wasn't there in the guise of a main character like you see sometimes. Like he was just 
a nice Easter egg for those who recognize him, basically. Right. And I think if he were to do more of the speaking, it probably could have taken you out of the scene more than just saying, oh, it's Dave Filoni. But then you hear him talking. It's like, yeah, yeah, I can understand why they wouldn't do it. Well, and, 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 if, and, have you, and if you think about it, like just from a pure story, story perspective, um, I believe in that scene. Uh, now I'm trying to, I'm blanking. It was Dave Filoni and uh, uh, Rick Famiwa, I think, who were, and Deborah Chow, right? Who the three of them. Right. Were uh, were in the cockpit uh, of their X wings in season one. Uh, all three directors of of uh, uh, of the Mandalorian, and uh, and so it would make sense that at least one, if not all of them, would be you know still flying around patrolling the area. You know, Trapper Wolf kind of saw he saw the Razor Crest uh, kind of trying to escape. Ran station uh, at the very end before they shot it up, uh, and so I don't know. It it, um, uh, it wouldn't surprise me that you know Trapper Wolf. He's he's kind of seen the ship before. He's kind of patrolling the area, so it's kind of cool that he shows up again in, in that sense. At least one of the pilots from yeah. uh, from season one, uh, and 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 the Mandalorian kind of has to pay the consequences, right? Initially, initially they didn't recognize him. Um, I don't know how many how many Razorcrest type ships there are out there. Didn't but, sound like there were many. No, no. But like, you know, at the end, uh, they, you know, they basically say like, yeah, we, 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 we ran the tabs and turns out, you know, yes, you were near the, uh, the new Republic correctional transport. Uh, but we also saw that you, you know, you captured Mayfeld Berg and Chion at the end, uh, of the, of the episode and you know, you even tried to save Lieutenant Devin, Matt Lanter's character, uh, and so as a result, we're gonna let you go. Like, I, I really appreciated th- the fact they kind of brought that back. And it was a nice way of like providing a, a follow up to that episode without kind of repeating the same characters and story and that sort of thing. Yeah, completely yeah. agree. Yeah, that brings us to kind of the the rest of the ice sequence. You know, the Mandalorian crash uh, doesn't crash the Razor Crest. I would say it's a it's maybe a harder landing than usual. Um, and then he I think it was it. the fall that did it. Yeah, the, the, but then they kind of fall through the ice, and the ship gets damaged. And now they have in the time honored tradition, actually, of this show. Now it's time to make repairs. Right to completely destroy the ship and then repair it all again. You know, just just like you like to do. I do not even know this, how Mandalorian managed to repair that ship. It looked like crushed. Well, it he repaired it enough. We're jumping that far ahead. He he repaired it enough just to get the thing flying and limp it to the next planet. That's still a I lot mean, of repairs, though. Yeah, and and you also have to take into account because the 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 damage that was done to the actual windshield, which we'll get to that pretty soon. He had to patch that up because they only had the cockpit area for them. He could pressurize and that's all he was working on. Cause the rest of it, that was just all left to open space. And when it came to the engines, it looked like it was like one and a half engines that were working. Yeah. Barely. Oh, I felt so bad for the ship. I was like, Oh, you ruined oh, yeah, that the thing beautiful limped. ship. Oh, <laughs> again, every time. Yeah. Well, but you can say it takes a licking and keeps on ticking because, man, every time it takes this kind of a licking, 
it gets repaired and he can look last season. It was completely taken apart by Jawas. He was able to get it. Thanks to Quill, get it up and running. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. I'm, I was surprised. I was surprised he was actually able to repair it without like having to go find additional parts or, or whatever, but Hey, uh, he's, I guess he's good at what he does. Um, so what did you guys think when the, the Mandalorian and the frog lady were having a problem with communicating and the Mandalorian did turn to her and say, do you know how Do you know this? Do you know that? But it came to the point where she finally figured out because there was that Q90 droid that was in there from last season as well. She was able to rig it to be a translator. What did you guys think of that? I I actually I had totally forgotten about it, Tom, until you just reminded me. I kind of expected there to be more with that, honestly. Really? By what? Yeah, like, what? well, because he kind of alludes to reactivating this bounty hunter droid is dangerous, but it doesn't ever come up again. And the droid actually, I we never see later on in the episode. Yeah. I guess there wasn't really room for it anywhere else. But, no, uh, true. And I think it served its purpose, right? Because you, you have right. this language barrier with the frog lady uh, and, and the Mandalorian. And, you know, they can't really talk. They're just kind of, you know, sitting there on their journey and pantomiming back and forth right and then eventually you know we actually didn't talk about this but like the um i like the fact that because they couldn't go to hyperspace uh and because it would destroy the eggs uh they kind of had to go through sublight you kind of get to see how you know trips take a lot longer at sublight speeds can be more dangerous because you know it's still kind of lawless out there right now and people could could attack you or or you know random x-wings could stop by and uh you know ask for your interrogate you um, Gotta but, be careful. but you know, yep. they're, 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 they're unable to, to communicate. The ship is destroyed and Mando pretty much gives up, you know, he kind of yeah, just, true. like, I don't know if he's waiting for rescue or, or what, but he kind of just seems to give up. And I don't honestly know what he would have done had, had frog lady not taken over zero's head, uh, zero's, you know, vocabulator and, used it as a translator. Um, and she, she chewed him out. If you think at it from that point of view, she chewed him out because she's like, you know what? She used the code against him, which was fascinating. Yeah, um, the fact that she's aware of it, mm-hmm. I think actually goes a long way to uh, lending evidence to there. There are Mandalorians on the other side. Like yeah. the fact that she's has any awareness of the code, I think mm-hmm. hinted that pretty strongly. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I, I really liked Zero. I think he he's probably my favorite part of uh, one of my favorite parts of the prisoner. And so again, you know, with these prisoner callbacks from the the prisoner, uh, it was kind of cool to see uh, uh, see that droid return, even only briefly. And while the Mandalorian has certainly learned to trust droids a lot more than he did in season one, like he let the pit droids work on his ship last episode, you still sense like he he hasn't fully gotten over it which i also appreciate it's not just like a oh look wake up one morning and now he likes droids you know it's he he can appreciate them now but there's still a little bit of that distrust yeah so is is it time to talk about the oh for me in some ways the worst part of the episode but also the best part of the episode well, worse. I'm, okay, t- I'm a, tell, tell I'm us. I'm a tad too. confused about this. Just a tad confused. But you you started off. So, 
Mandalorian is working on repairing a ship. Uh, Frog Lady disappears. The child kind of gestures to get the Mandalorian's attention. They go off and find the Frog Lady. She's found a hot spring <coughs> surrounded uh, by, you know, a bunch of totally innocent-looking little bumps in the snow. The Mandalorian is They're trying to convince her to right? get the eggs out of the water. Sorry, William? They're tombstones, right? Well, yes, that's exactly. What, that's what they could have been considered, but continue, Stephen. You're doing a good job. And, you know, the, the child is the child, and so the child goes up to one of the, the tombstones and knocks it open, and, oh, look, there's a little spider thing in it. It eats the spider. I knew and it was bad. As soon as you saw those little legs. smile on his face. As soon as you saw him eat that little, tiny little baby spider in the, from the egg, you knew it was going to be bad. So, oh, first question, are, were those Kinnereth? No, they the they Knights of the Republic series. I know it, it it uh they're not that they're also not the Krikna from Rebels. I saw a lot of people talking about. Oh, Thank is you. It, is it the Krikna Thank from you. Rebels? But um, no. Uh, uh, Phil Stosak actually from from Lucasfilm actually confirmed they are both based on the same Ralph McQuarrie artwork, but they are different types of of, of arachnids. Um, but so that's what good. I thought. Just, just what we need more arachnids. Yeah, but you know. Yeah. You can also tell because like the ones in Rebels were, are. Uh, invulnerable to blaster fire, and so um, oh, fair. that also would not have been great. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then I think their eyes were different, and the mouth was the the mouth. I think had more mandibles. It was mandible like compared to this one. Looked like it was more of a um, oh god, what is the? It was more like when it sucks on to the because you see it later when it actually you it see the mouth minoc like windshield. There was more teeth. Yeah, so, it was almost like a yeah. minoc. Thank uh, you. That's yeah. what I was trying to get to. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it actually it reminded me a lot of... Um, God, this is, here's another deep cut for you. The Young Jedi Knight series, I believe. Yes. Uh, yes. Which is... there's t- Sorry, is it Young Jedi? Sorry, there's Junior Jedi Knights and Young Jedi Knights. I am thinking of the one with um, Anakin Solo, not the one with uh, Jason and Jaina. Oh, okay, gotcha. But I... Yeah. I believe they at I believe as part of uh, one of those books they go to Dagobah, and I feel like I remember some weird story where if we find out all the trees on Dagobah were those giant arachnids, and then when they get old and die, they disappear, mm-hmm. um, which sounds exactly like something you'd get in some of the old Star Wars stuff, in that it's kind of out there, but yeah. Uh, they're terrifying, and watching them all wake up and escape, and as someone who has arachnophobia, not a fan, but definitely <laughs> takes the episode from a point where I was like, this is kind of boring, and I wish something would happen to, yeah, I wish nothing had happened. <laughs> well, but it did set up something very interesting when it comes to, and I hate, I hate keep saying the name Frog Lady. The thing it's that right I found right. fascinating is when That's they're trying the name. to run away, I know, but when they're trying to run away from these now arachnids, um, what did you guys think of her jumping on all fours and running that way? That, that I, I could understand it, but it caught me off guard. I can't decide and if I like it or hate the episode, it. but it was, it was like, go ahead. I actually didn't mind it. Honestly, I, really? I thought it was a little bit funny watching the back and forth from shot to shot. Um, where one moment she would be running normally. And the next moment she would be not, it's based on um, budget. Suspect, okay, that I remember. And I suspect that's kind of a budget thing. Like yeah, we yeah, clearly yeah. we were moving between a practical effect and a right uh, non-practical effect. But it 
kind of cracked me up quite a bit, honestly. Yeah, I um, think for me it was like it, it was probably the jarringness of the back and forth between the two to the four to the two to the four. So, and that that was like it worked. I thought the funniest thing was was actually seeing uh, the child running. Oh my gosh! Yes, yes. No, I um, yeah, I I, I don't know. I go back and forth on that one because. On the one hand, Frog Lady, it kind of makes sense. Like maybe she tries to walk like everyone else, and then right. uh, when when you know she is so scared, she kind of just like reverts back to how like it's most comfortable and she's most fastest, the fastest, and, right. and kind of hops out of there. I I didn't catch her switching back and forth. I just I, I only saw her like walking, jumping, and then walking again. Right. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I didn't mind. But Baby Yoda running was hilarious the child the child running and yeah it's it's creepy like he's the mandalorian is trying to escape and he's you know like there's way too many way too many of these ice spiders to shoot even like that one moment when he's the flamethrower i I appreciate the shot where he's like around the corner you see the 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 glow of the flamethrower and that's it um but really like he ends up getting cornered in the razor crest and man it's uh uh, uh, man, they are almost, they're almost overrun. Like even the child that's like a spider on his head, he's like trying to get it off. And, uh, I just, yeah, I appreciated the evolution as like, you're like, Oh my, they're going to make it back to the ship. Oh, the ship has yeah. a giant hole in it. And so they get inside and like, not even time to throw up a barrier spiders pour in. Now they're headed upstairs. Maybe they can stop it there. Nope. Get it yeah. towards the cockpit. Try and close the last little blast door. Uh, and just that shot of the Mandalorians f- shooting everything coming through as they try and hold the door open was, I thought, fantastic, yeah. uh, dramatic tension, as and, they would call you, it. And you literally thought it was over, especially when the big giant spider jumps down on the razor crest and puts its mandibles right through the windshield. But here's what caught me by surprise, because this is where I thought it could have been the second opportunity for us to possibly see Boba Fett, yeah. was when the red laser fire started from outside. And you're sitting here trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, this has to be it. Boba Fett's come to save them. Somehow Boba Fett's come to save them. Somehow, somehow. And it's the Republic X-Wings. It's not Boba Fett. No, it's not Boba Fett. Yeah. Rewatching no. it, I should have known. Because, like, it's clearly an X-Wing engine. And, you know, X-Wing uh, 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 blaster fire. Turbulation I fire. didn't hear the engines. Uh, yeah, I didn't either. Oh, I, I didn't catch it till the second viewing. Uh, okay. The first time, though, I'm like, they're building up the suspense. It's going to be, it's probably going to be Boba Fett or Ahsoka or someone big. And they walk around the corner and it's just the two X-Wing pilots again. And I was honestly kind of let down. I was like, that's it? Really? Well, no, so was I. I mean, honestly, so was I. I was, I was expecting Boba Fett. I don't know. Um, it was cool. I mean, I, again, I appreciate it. It, it, it makes sense from a storytelling perspective, right? You introduce them. Now they come back and, you know, uh, kind of let them go. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they, they were able to take out the giant, giant spider. Cause like they kept getting bigger. He blew up the, mm-hmm. the medium sized one. And then a giant yeah. one uh, came, but, uh, yeah, I guess, um, it, it was, it was fine. I, like I said, I, I liked how it tied into the, the, the prisoner in, in that respect, but I was kind of hoping and, it and was I a think- bigger character. And I think that was the best thing about it is because, you know, you had the two pilots sitting there talking about how, you know, yes, they did say that he had an arrest, there was an arrest warrant out for him. But, 
you know, they let him go because they did show the security records that he was able to, you know, capture three culprits from the one episode. He tried to save basically Matt Lanter of the New Republic Correctional Corps. So, I mean, it, it was kind of like a trade-off. And you're out in the middle of nowhere. Give this guy a break. He's just been through, like, this horde of spiders. You saved his life. Do you really think it's worth it to pull him in on a very small charge that you've gotten a arrest warrant out from because, you know, him helping escape uh, an escape prisoner? I mean, come on. I'd let him go. And, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. They, they let him go. He yeah. uh, takes off. Thankfully, the, the repair work he did earlier uh, paid off because the ship is miraculously able to take off. And... Yeah, but only only the cockpit is where they could stay. Oh, oh yes. Because yes, that like, was the only thing that was pressurized. But even that is pretty dang impressive. Um, yeah. And, uh, and they kind of fly off and that's that's it i don't well, know you missed yeah, the, one thing. the episode sorry go ahead tom no you missed one thing what that there was one more egg eaten at the end yes, yes yes as we talked about uh yeah. earlier but yeah no I, it, it yeah steven it, it just ends. ends it just ends it yeah I, it it was i've appreciated the longer run times of these episodes um this episode like I just honestly, and like I'm spoiling a little bit for my review at the end. The pacing just felt off to me. The first 20 minutes or so felt oddly paced and slow with nothing happening. Then we got a good like 20 minutes with all the ice spiders and the crash and the X wings. Mm -hmm. And then it just ends with no lead up or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I, I think, I think it just ends, but it ends at a point to where, you know, the next episode is going to pick up exactly where this one ended. True. Very true. Yeah. And, and we kind of hate to say it. We kind of see it even in the, the first trailers that came out is you kind of see the razor crest being beaten up, going to its next destination. Well, now they left the planet. We know why the razor crest was beaten up. So naturally the next shot we would probably see is the razor crest coming over that, that moon going towards his final destination of that water planet. Yeah. So. I don't know. It was, uh, it was, it was okay. I guess overall, um, I, I, I wouldn't, it, s- it, it was a D de- it was a fun side tangent. You got to see more of the star Wars galaxy. It, it did seem a little weird having two giant monsters, uh, two episodes in a row. Uh, I know star Wars loves to have the, the giant creatures, uh, but it felt like a a little bit of the same, even though it was like going from a desert to a mm-hmm. to an ice planet. Um, uh, yeah, it, this it, one was creepier though. It was, but it definitely it has a monster of the week vibe. Which again, going back to I think we talked about this before. Like if you go back to some of the television and TV shows, like the '90s and early 2000s, a lot of times you got had shows that were like this. Like, oh, it's the crisis of the week or the monster of the week or those. You can tell each episode is built around a central idea of like, ah, and I'm, I'm just going to take a Star Trek example. Like, ah, what if they find a planet of like mute people who can't talk and they have to communicate with them this week? What if they find a planet with 
Actually, let's go true Star Trek. They have a planet of pointy people this, or people with pointy ears this week. Next week, it's the planet of people with ridges on their forehead and so on. Um, <laughs> and I, I actually think one of the biggest issues I have with this episode, and I hope this trend doesn't continue, is the Mandalorian is already a the, the side adventure of the week, which I think is okay. Like, how does the Mandalorian get distracted from what he's actually trying to do for the 40th time? But I think if we're doing that and every distraction is also going to be the monster of the week. I, I'm not a huge fan of it, I think. Okay. Yeah. I, I suspect that will not be the case for next week. I would be very surprised if we get yet another monster that they, the Mandalorian gets to fight and kill, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm my, my big hope is that next week's episode is definitely going to move this forward by way of the story of him finding that culvert of Mandalorians. It has to. I mean, at this point, yeah. like, I, I think they're pretty close to Trask. And so I have to imagine that they'll they'll meet up with Frog Lady's husband and then uh, immediately go to the, the Mandalorian covert. I, I hope. Any bets on maybe Bo-Katan next episode? Maybe. Mm, but don't we get in the next episode, um, isn't it that wrestler that we see kind of shadowing that everybody think could be Sabine Wren. Oh, I could see being Sabine or Bo-Katan. Sorry. I, either one. I'm expecting yeah. we see a major named character next episode. Interesting. Major. I mean, there's, we're, there's not a, I mean, I hate to say this because we're only two episodes in, but there's not a whole lot left either. Like we're only down to six episodes. That's uh, true. So I, I feel like they have to start picking up the plot a bit more. I think this was a mix, you know, it was a nice, uh side side adventure to start with uh you know i think season one was kind of a side story in some ways but i think at least for for big star wars fans we've always wanted to know about crate dragons and seeing you know more about tuscan raider culture and all that kind of stuff and of course boba fett and uh you know the the marshal and everything they're added a lot more suspense for for the big star wars fans and maybe for someone who's not a uh, uh as into all the minutia of star Wars. It felt more mm. like it would have felt more like this week's episode. Um, but I don't know. I, again, you know, it, it, the show needs occasional episodes like this where you can just get into the weird side of star Wars, but uh, I'm ready for the, uh, for the rest of the, the season with the, the, all the I, stuff I, they've been teasing. I agree. I think it's going to be next week. Yeah. I think it's really going to start picking up next week. So I have to, imagine. are we up for a review tonight? Yeah, let's do it. Um, you know, if you want, I'll go. I'll go first. I I, go I kind of uh, have talked a lot about my my thoughts so far. You know, overall, I thought it was a decent episode. It was definitely uh, uh, probably the creepiest episode yet. Uh, the only one that maybe comes, I don't know, like the parts of Sanctuary were kind of creepy with like the the ATST or like the the last half of the prisoner was very creepy when mm -hmm, the Mandalorian yeah. like turns on everyone and kind of goes and hunts them himself. But um, this one was by far uh, probably the creepiest one. And uh, I don't know. I, I did like it from, from that perspective. It was kind of cool to see the, the, uh, the spiders uh, and the Mandalorian's journey. I love the, the X wings and how we got ties into the passenger. Uh, but, you know, overall, I, I, uh, it, it did kind of feel like a, a side tangent and I, I'm, there's a lot of stuff I'm, I'm really excited about. So I think ultimately this episode, 
had a lot of really uh, hilarious moments with the child and adorable uh, mm-hmm. uh, baby Yoda memes will sure be surely be uh, uh, spawned as a result of this. Uh, oh, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Overall, I thought the episode itself probably again, all of the Mandalorian is, is fantastic, but it's probably closer to the bottom. If I were to rank all of the episodes so far. Uh, and so I'm going to give this one uh, seven Womp Rats out of 10. Uh, again, I still enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed it. I thought the, for the most part, the cinematography was really great, really funny, uh, but just not quite as much my, uh, uh, my cup of blue milk. And so, mm. uh, <laughs> good one. Good <laughs> thank one. You, thank you. Uh, so yeah, my, my, uh, my seven Womp Rats, uh, actually I'm going to feed the rest of the, uh, the eggs to them because you know they they're hungry might as well make it worse god yeah. you're cruel oh you are so cruel hey the child was kind of upset he wanted to eat those that's true you know and, and a womp rat's got to eat so <laughs> exactly yeah. uh, I'll, I'll go next um i i enjoyed the episode for what it was i i did like how it got the the creep aspect but i'm not also like you steven i am not a fan of spiders especially when they are like hordes and hordes and hordes of them that go from small to next to next to next to massive um um i thought it is one of those little quiet it wasn't really quiet but it was one of those episodes that normally you get within star wars it's a little bit of a breather so i have to give this one a 7.5 um it's it I agree with you, William. If it was like on a rating scale, I know where I would place this one. It would be lower um, on my scale than a lot of the other ones. So um, 7.5 for this episode. And I'm going to take my 7.1 Brats. You see, it originally was 8. But the reason why it was 7.5 is because the Mandalorian, to get that ship, the Razor Crest, off that planet, realized there was kind of like one and a half engines going on that were working. Well, Seven of the Womp Rats were actually in the engine that was working. And because the other one was only half working, that's where the other half of the Womp Rat was working to get it up and running and flying. So you have seven Womp Rats that are in a hamster wheel on one side that can actually use their four legs. And then you got two legs on the other side. Seems reasonable. Yeah, kind of works. Yeah. Steven, you're up. Oh, I guess it is my turn, isn't it? Um, yeah, so I guess I guess for me, like I said, the pacing for this episode really felt a little bit off to me. I The humor at the beginning was, I thought, generally okay. Like, I, I enjoyed Dr. Mandible, but the rest of it just kind of didn't land for me with Pelly and, um, I guess the jetpack landed. Not Pun not intended, <laughs> but now it's intended. But you understand. I got uh, it. I got it. I, I just, to be fair, the, the Razor Crest like, also did not land. Razor Crest did not land particularly well either. Um, really, there's just they really have trouble landing, you know, jokes, ships. Uh, anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this anymore. Um, but yeah, like the, it just felt a little bit off to me. I I enjoyed the episode much more once kind of we got the horror aspect of the spiders. Even noting that I hate spiders with a passion and would prefer to have never seen anything like that at all. Uh, but it, it really upped the stakes of the episode, and that's much more what I was look I look for from the Mandalorian, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll give it a six and a half Womp Rats. And uh, look, you know, 
there's a they got a long journey to Trask. And what uh, we don't see in the episode, but happens immediately after, you'll see at the beginning of the next one, is there are actually six and a half Womp Rats up there in the cockpit with them as well. They normally live kind of down below in the various kind of parts of the ship, but uh, like everyone else, there's just not not enough space. Mm-hmm. And it's real unfortunate. So there's we're all going to have to live together and uh, hope everything works out. So yeah, um, six and a half. Okay. Six and a half. Well, um... Coming up next week, we have The Mandalorian Chapter 11. And uh, we don't really know much about what's going to be uh, next week. Uh, although, looking at the trailer for the, the season, I feel like we've kind of exhausted most of what they showed us in the trailer. I haven't gone back and rewatched it. Yeah. Uh, but with the yep. exception of that one lady mysteriously looking across like the dock... Um, I feel like they've pretty much shown us everything. So it's actually kind of exciting or there's a lot of stuff we just don't know about for this season. And yeah. uh, I don't know. Hopefully we, we get some of our other big characters introduced in the, uh, in the very near future. Uh, with that, uh, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll be back next week with our review of chapter 11. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.